Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Last night, my neighbors above me got into a major fight and they were screaming and throwing things and bashing around. And I thought I might be able to report on a murder there. I mean, blood curdling screams. And she had just had a baby like two days ago. So I don't know what's going on, but it was so scary that my stomach balled up. It happened about 1130 last night. Woke me up out of a dead sleep. Very upsetting. So I'm operating on less sleep than normal and being a little upset and potentially being witness to a murder. <sighs> we'll have to fully and rigorously investigate that. Now, before I get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about myself when I was growing up, say in the kindergarten. I had my teacher's name was Mrs. Moore, and I loved her dearly. And she took a day off, and we had a substitute. So this was in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was just, you know, four years old. and But I, I'm an artist, so I was really into drawing. And we had this exercise we had to do where we had to fill in these lines on these drawings. They were circles with lines through them. And I was making each line a different color, and I didn't finish my project. So the substitute gave me a, instead of a smiley face, she gave me a straight face on the paper with no curly hair, which is like a C. I was so upset and devastated after that. I was terrified of substitutes. So whenever my teachers after that day would say, uh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. We're going to have a substitute. I'd like run into the bathroom. Each classroom had a little bathroom attached to it. And I'd cry my eyes out that there was a substitute coming. I was terrified of substitutes. Well, it's sort of, not even remotely close, but it's sort of what we're talking about today. Voices of Darkness, that's the, yes, that's the music that I played for you during my Swamp Witch last episode. But this music is called Voices of Darkness, pretty appropriate for this episode of Full Rigor. It was a concentration camp for kids. I'm going to delve into some dark and evil forces that silenced the voices of young children at some boarding and schools for wayward boys in Florida. In many cases, the boys ended up dead and buried in a grave on the school grounds. In one case, a boy was thrown into a dryer for bad behavior. One of the boys got up into the instructor's face and they had a couple of boys put him in the tumble dryer until he died. They brought his body out, slid him on the sidewalk, uh, going out to the ramp and a black car came up and they threw him in the back seat. He bounced off the back seat into the floorboard and off they went. So that's co-founder of the White House Boys, Roger Kaiser, when he attended the former Dozier School for the Boys, also known as Florida School for the Boys. It was in Mariana, Florida where dozens of bodies have been found over the last decade buried on the school grounds. We've always said there's more, more dead boys on there. Now, spanning the school's 111-year history, there were reports of abuse, beatings, rape, torture, kids being shackled, uh, hung from handcuffs, and murder of students. Despite periodic investigations and inspections, the allegations of cruelty and abuse continued unchecked. It's like, it's like no one believing that my substitute was like an evil bitch. 
So the Arthur G. Dozer School for Boys opened in 1900 and it closed in 2011. After more than a century of notoriety for its depraved treatment of students, allegations of beating, sex abuse, and forced labor were made against the school over the course of its history, although school officials denied any wrongdoing. The horrific conditions were finally confirmed in 2010. It's a little bit late. So what did these boys have to do to be sent to the Florida School for Boys? Basically, school truancy, skipping school, running away from home, or incorrigibility. And they ended up in a dryer. It's just a nightmare. I'd always wake up and I'd tears would be coming out of my eyes. So a cemetery was located on the north side of the school for boys, known as the Boot Hill Cemetery, and most of the graves were unmarked. And records of many of the documented 100 students who died at the facility were lacking. Ugh. 2014 report from an extensive forensic investigation carried out by the University of Florida began in 2011, and they said that they found buried remains of 55 students, including numerous remains found outside the cemetery boundaries in the woods or brush areas. Unanswered questions serve nobody, and that the memory of the children require us to pursue any questions that come up. They found bones, teeth, artifacts from grave sites. So I guess the substitute giving me a straight face with no curly cue pales in comparison to what happened to these kids. They were put in leg irons. They were raped. They were beaten. They were beaten with a belt, apparently. The guy that beat them was really tall, so he had a long belt. And every time he would whip the kids, the top of the belt, the buckle would hit the ceiling so they'd hear tink and then whoop. That would hit them and say so knew it was coming. Whoa. So as, as the belt came around and you <laughs> heard the tick, you were laying in the bed with your face down. The pillow would have literally pieces of people's lips and oh tongue and blood and everything all on, the, on the pillow. You'd put your head and grab the bars and you'd go, mm, and then it would be boom. And you know, you, you just met hell. And then I'd die. <laughs> and then tick and I would, and boom and God wants to go in and you'll be yelling for God and your mother too that's Dick Cologne one of the White House boys and he says he was beaten multiple times during his stay at the school in the 60s and then in January of 2016 the USF team issued their final report and they had made a total of seven DNA matches and 14 presumptive identifications from the 51 remains found at the site. A total of 55 burials were identified, but only 13 were made within the cemetery grounds. The rest of the graves were outside in the woods, including under a roadway, brush, and a large mulberry tree. So while they had documented 98 deaths at the site, they were unable to identify any more burials on the grounds. And some bodies may have been sent home to students' families. Oh, sorry about little Timmy. He got stuck in the well. USF team will continue to work uh, with other organizations and families on DNA and other means of identification of the remains that have been found. And they created a computer facial approximation from remains to help with identification. Some of these kids were, you know, runaways. Their families didn't really give a shit about them. So, you know, they were disposable. So in late March of 2019, an additional 27 possible graves were identified during a pollution cleanup on the Dozier site. If there are human remains there, 
uh, they are more than likely African-American. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis directed state agencies to work with Jackson County officials to develop a path forward. Careful, deliberate uh, excavation by hand in the areas of the anomalies to determine what's in the ground there. In mid-July 2019, University of South Florida forensic anthropologist was going to return to investigate if anomalies discovered there were, in fact, more graves. Here's Dick Cologne again, a member of the White House Boys. I'll explain what they are in a moment. We fear that they're going to find bodies, but we don't know how many bodies they will find in the graves. In some instances, we suspect there will probably be two, possibly three. And then when they finish the autopsy, they're probably going to find crushed skulls and things of that nature. It's not going to be natural deaths and what have you. They're going to see the brutality that killed the kids. So Cologne told CBS This Morning in 2008... Remember, the school was still open at that time, that a man named Daddy Hatton was the beater. At least he beat him. And he used to beat him with a belt, like I told you. And for a long time, Dick and Roger told state officials, including the governor, what was going on at that school for boys in Mariana. And it was so horrific, nobody believed them. They even wrote a book. Well, finally, the truth came out, and the bodies of dozens of young victims were found buried on the grounds. It was really horrific. So what is the White House and the White House boys? It's not the building that President Trump's about to vacate. In 1929, an 11-room concrete block detention building, also containing two cells, one for white and one for black students, was constructed to house the most incorrigible or violent students, and the site at the time was not fenced. Students called this little building the White House. In the 1950s and 60s, it was the site of most of the beatings of those students. After corporal punishment at the school was abolished in 1967, the building was used for storage, and in 2008, In response to allegations of the extreme beatings and torture that took place there, state officials sealed off that building in a public ceremony, leaving a memorial plaque, and it has remained empty ever since. Now, when the school first opened 111 years prior, from its opening, it had no fence, and it also segregated the white and colored students until 1966. And a cemetery on the north side contains the graves of more than 50 deceased students. And in the 60s, overcrowding and poor conditions saw more than 500 boys being held in the school. Some of them were hogtied, kept in isolation for weeks at a time. Still, not as devastating as a straight face without a curly Q hairdo. So, April 2007, the superintendent of schools was fired. And in 2009, the school failed inspection. What do you know? Finally, the state of Florida closed both facilities in June 2011. Now, in a report to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, Geosyntec, the contractor that was cleaning up the pollution, said a subcontractor had deployed a ground-penetrating radar to survey the land, and the radar found 27 anomalies consistent with possible graves. If we didn't have the White House boys, we would never have known what happened. Now, by the time the U.S. Justice Department investigation in 2010 and 2011, shortly before the facility closed, closed, Dozer was a fenced 159-acre high-risk residential facility for 104 boys. They were aged 13 to 21 who had been committed there by a court. Their average length of stay at Dozer was 9 to 12 months, and they lived in several cottages, each boy having an unlocked room. On the adjacent site was the Jackson Juvenile Offender Center, a minimum-risk facility for chronic offenders guilty of felonies or violent crimes, and it housed residents in single locked cells like a prison.
Now, in the late 20th century, former students who had been held at the school in the 1950s and 60s began to share accounts of abuses that they had suffered or observed against students. And they organized a group who became known as the White House Boys. And by the 21st century, there were about 400 members, survivors of this school from the 50s and 60s. And since the early 2000s, members of the group began to speak publicly about their experiences to the media and to challenge the state to investigate practices and personnel at the school. More than 300 men have publicly recounted abuse and torture from the school. The fear of that school, and it still lingers in my mind. A forensic examination of the White House was conducted, and no trace evidence of blood was found on the walls. And in January 2010, the Department of Law Enforcement released its findings. It said the investigation included over 100 interviews of former students, family of former students, and former staff members of the school. And the interviews revealed little disagreement as to how the corporal punishment was administered. Now, although some of the former students said that they were beaten to the point that the skin on their buttocks blistered and bled profusely, there was little to no evidence of visible residual scarring. A secondary disagreement was the former students' perceptions of the punishment process. Some of the former students stated that their spankings caused them no psychological harm and that they learned from their mistakes. Others stated that they suffered greatly mentally as a result and still do to this day. Some reports by former students stated that in addition to corporal punishment, they were also subjected to sexual abuse at the hands of the former staff members or other students. So with the passage of over 50 years, no tangible physical evidence was found to either support or refute the allegations of physical or sexual abuse. But you have like 55 bodies buried on the school premises. I mean, hello. So in March of 2014, Governor Rick Scott signed a bill authorizing up to $7,500 per burial for those families who wanted to reinter the remains of relatives identified in unmarked graves at the Florida School for Boys. This was followed by the University of South Florida's report in January, which said that they had been able to make matches of 21 sets of remains to known families. In addition, the bill proposed creating a task force to establish a memorial, as well as deciding how to handle the remains of the bodies that have yet to be identified or claimed by families. In 2017, the state apologized to the victims and the families. They had a formal ceremony with families and survivors to apologize for the mental and physical abuse of children at the school. Both houses of legislature passed resolutions supporting the apology, and some two dozen men stood as their names were called. A proposed House bill would fund two memorials to be built in Tallahassee and in Mariana, reburial of remains, and to provide some kind of restitution to the victims. The Senate said it would consider it, and as of April 2019, it has not passed. A spokesman for the White House boys said that they did not want any remains reburied on the grounds of the school or even in the county, as they believe local people were complicit in what went on there. And of course, many of the offending staff members who beat them and raped them are already dead. So they really aren't getting much closure except for the closure of the school and both facilities. So I want to leave you now with Key West, Florida. They have the Key West Cemetery there. It's known around the world as an oasis of natural beauty and a paradise for those who seek fun in the sun, but it's also where people from all walks of life are welcome to come and enjoy the history and also lost souls that were laid to rest there. But they never truly rested. 
in the Key West Cemetery, a visit to this historic cemetery may offer you more than you bargained for. There's more than 100,000 people buried there. This isn't a little island. And it took forever for Ernest Hemingway to dig his pool. I don't know how you dug a grave. Apparently, Key West is like, the island is made out of coral, so it's really hard to dig. So I would assume it's hard to dig a grave, let alone a swimming pool. (laughs) Many of them are said to be lingering between life and death. As you stroll the grounds, you can read some of the more interesting and humorous headstones. There's one that reads, "I I told you I was sick. And another, quote, devoted fan of Julio Iglesias. I used to, I'm from Michigan, I used to like to walk in the old cemeteries up there and visit my grandparents, but I'd always want to find the oldest grave, like, you know, from 1810. It's always so interesting to think, oh my gosh, it's probably like yesterday for these people. So be aware as you wander amongst the graves, uh, you may just run into the spirit of the well-known Bahamian woman who sees herself as the guardian of the graveyard She'll only approach you if she feels that you are being disrespectful to the gravestones. So make sure if you feel like sitting down, you do it on a bench, not on a grave. And like, don't go have sex in the graveyard. That would be really bad. Visitors have reported seeing this stern ghost approaching them with an angry look on her face and then disappearing. Other eerie encounters include disembodied voices, shadows, and strange orbs of light. Speaking of strange orbs of light, mysterious lights, shadows, and figures, thanks to WESH, a TV station out of Orlando and Daytona Beach. They did an interview with the Daytona Beach pastor, Monzel Ford. He says his home surveillance motion detector went off, and it woke him up out of a dead sleep. He was in his bedroom, so he looked at his phone to see what was going on. And when he looked at his phone, he saw this really weird orb floating around his living room. So he walked into the living room, watching the live feed on his phone, but he said he didn't see it when he was in person in the living room. He only saw it for hours. It came and went when he was looking at his phone. The first thing I'm thinking, like, whoa, what is this? This orb, this imagery just hovering in my living room. But when I went out there, I couldn't physically see what I'm looking at in the live feed. So now I'm like, whoa. Pastor Ford says the orb continued to appear and disappear on his phone for several hours and at one point split into several shapes. That's when I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Something's going on here. Something's going on here. If it's physical, I can stand it. I can challenge it. I can approach it. I can deal with it. But when we talk about things that's just floating and disappearing, if I know what something is, I'm okay. But it's the unknown thing that throws me off. It actually looked like a floating, translucent whoopee cushion or... A glowing donut. Must have been some sort of an optical illusion on the camera, but it moved all around the room and it changed shape. So I don't know what the hell it was. I'm sure there's some logical explanation. Anyway, creepy, huh? That wraps up Full Rigger. Be sure to join me next time and check me out on Instagram at Full Rigger Podcast and subscribe. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. 
Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.